welcome to the Birth Acadiana podcast. Join us as we dive headfirst into the captivating world of pregnancy, birth, and postpartum, all right here in our very own community. I'm your host and local perinatal chiropractor, Dr. Elena Clark, joined by my dear friend and co-host and local doula, Tiffany Wyatt. We're here to bring you a treasure trove of knowledge, wisdom, and personal stories. Our mission is to empower you with the insights and understanding you need to make informed decisions on your unique path to motherhood. We know the importance of those moments when we say, I wish I would have known better, and we're here to make sure you don't have to. This podcast is your educational guide, your friendly companion through the beautiful, sometimes challenging, but always transformative journey of pregnancy and beyond. But remember, while our podcast offers invaluable insights, every woman's experience is as unique as her fingerprint. Always consult with your trusted healthcare provider to make choices that are best for you and your baby. So whether you're an expectant mother, a curious partner, or simply someone eager to learn more about the miracle of life, we're thrilled to have you along for this incredible ride. Welcome to the Birth of Katie in a podcast, where wisdom, support, and community, aka your village, come together to light your path to motherhood. Alrighty. Oh my gosh, we're so excited. Thank you for being here and listening to the episodes. If you've caught up so far, I'm your host, Dr. Elena Clark, local chiropractor, here with my wonderful friend and local doula, Tiffany Wyatt. We have a very special guest for you all, our first big interview. We've we've already interviewed uh, Tiffany to talk about doulas and all the wonderful things they contribute to the birth space. But we have my great friend and fantastic midwife, one of Lafayette's wonderful midwives, uh, midwife Kyra. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Say hi. Hey, mamas. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, so as you can imagine, this episode is all about midwifery care. Um, Yeah, what do they offer? What does it look like? So much in, you know, people always ask, oh, okay, what's a doula versus a midwife? Should I just have a midwife and not a doula? It just, there's a lot of blurry lines and, or what does that even offer, right? Some people, um, yeah, we'll maybe talk about different things that maybe misconceptions or about midwives, kind of a free for all. I'm just going to be here, have a conversation, but we're excited that you guys are along for the ride. So let's just get started. Let's dive in. Kara, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been a midwife and Yeah, just share a little bit about who you are. Yeah, so um, my name is Midwife Kyra. I run the Natural Birth House here in Acadiana and also have an online platform called Cajun Stork. Um, I actually met these wonderful ladies in a unique way. Uh, Your guest host, Tiffany, was actually one of my very first doula clients 14 years ago tomorrow. Tomorrow. (laughs) So we're really excited. That's how long, uh, that's back in the day when I was a doula and I was taking clients off of Craigslist. Yes. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I didn't know that. That's so funny. Craigslist experience. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yep. Um, and then I pursued midwifery school. Um, I actually have been 10 years a midwife this month, actually. Yeah, congratulations. congratulations. Never thought I'd make it. Here I am. <laughs> All those times I wanted to quit because it's such mm-hmm. a hard profession. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad I stuck with it. I'm definitely, you know, um, reaping the benefits of not only the, the community that I've been serving, but also the hard work and education I've put in this whole time to get mm-hmm. here. It's such a joy. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Yay. And then I do know you guys have this really cool relationship to this new birth center. You guys have uh, birthed, I guess you could say. Um, Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about that. You have other midwives at your practice and you have a special relationship with a local OB. Kind of just give us a little little bit of that. So um, the Natural Birth House opened back in 2016. Um, we were in Broussard in this gigantic building with a lot of wasted space and just trying to figure out, you know, what we wanted to do. Um, and let's see, it wasn't maybe April of this year that we moved into our new location in the oil center. Um, we downsized in square footage, but increased in our team. Uh, we are Louisiana's first midwife owned birth center, Louisiana's first licensed birth center and Louisiana's first midwife owned accredited birth center, which is a huge feat because we were told we would never be able to do things like this. In addition to all of that, we were moving in the middle of it. It was, it was, it's been quite a year. Mm -hmm. Um, so in the process of all of this, uh, Dr. Damon Cuddy, joined my practice as a medical director. 
um, and also consulting physician. He's fantastic. He's a natural birth friendly OB, a VBAC supportive awesome. OB. Yeah. He's just absolutely wonderful. I really like his new partner too. Oh, yes. Yeah. Shout, oh, out to Dr. Voltz. Voltz. <laughs> Shout out to Dr. Volt. Shout out to Dr. Volt. Yes. <laughs> really like him. They have a really great practice with him. I've been very impressed. He's yes. Great. He's really great. Yeah. yeah same. All of what well, yeah. I mean, some of the few moms that yeah. I've had so far, they're like, could it, he could have not chose somebody better as yeah. a second for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. definitely a, a good pair. Mm-hmm. Um, so with Dr. Volt, uh, Dr. Cudahy um, joining our practice, we now have nurse midwives who've joined our practice. So we are a three midwife team. It's myself, midwife Jamie Lawson, and midwife Bronwyn uh, Claymont. Mm-hmm. If you're not from here, it's a Cajun name. <laughs> and um, we just absolutely love what we're doing. Our volume has increased with the move. Uh, what's been interesting is that um, it's not the moms. We like I really thought us being so close to the hospital would impact the mothers wanting to come into our practice. But what we're discovering is that the moms have always wanted this. But us being ninety seconds from the hospital has actually encouraged the dads mm-hmm. to come in. Oh the yeah, hospital. the dads are always the ones that, that are like teetering on if it's a good option or, or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really mm-hmm. cool. It's been really it's been interesting. a fun surprise. Yeah. And then with Dr. Cuddy, he next door, you know, our clients are walking over to his office for their 20-week anatomical and coming over to us to see us for their hour-long appointments. That's it's been really so fun. fun. Yeah. And that's such a unique way of a setup. Mm-hmm. So good, like, to, yeah, I just, I love that. That's so much fun. Yeah. That's cool. And having teammates, too, you know, I was solo for most of my career, not all of it, but most. Having teammates has been such a, a just a wonderful, enjoyable experience and yeah. way more sustainable for the profession. Oh, 100%. You can balance each other out and, again, with the burnout and everything like that, it's just nice to be like, hey, okay, you take a break or go do this or you handle this part and we'll kind of shift it around and navigate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And more midwives to love in our mamas. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. Like our mamas are just getting showered with midwives who love them and want to spend time with them. And it's just mm-hmm. really I great. think that's one of my favorite things to tell people in the community about like when they're in the birth space and because they're asking about midwives or whatever. And I give them this random fact that, did you know there were, there are about six Mid, I mean, I imagine that many, just a few of them, at least five of them here. No, mm-hmm. six, for sure six. Um, but just six in our own town. And I've, mm-hmm. I've said this for a long time, and I truly believe it to my core. We have a fantastic birth community. If you don't already know it yet, I hope you discover it. Um, I would say, I would I just, even I think to say that our birth community... Like it's pretty top notch. It's probably the best in the state. Yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure in the state. One hundred percent. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I mean, we love our people in New Orleans and Baton Rouge. Not downing you, but no. I think we have such a great. We have yeah. such a, a, a number of mm-hmm. great. I do think providers. people, when it comes to midwifery, and at least this is the outsider perspective. Like if they are in Baton Rouge, of course they go to the birth center there mm-hmm. because they have a little bit more. Yeah. Right, yeah. I hear so many wonderful things mm-hmm. about it, but mm-hmm. that's kind of really it. It's like you're either here yeah. or you're closer to Texas, yeah. uh, from what I understand, and then yeah, either Baton Rouge, and that's pretty much yeah. kind of it. Yeah, I believe we have five licensed birth centers in the state. Really? So pretty much here in Acadiana, my birth center serves. Right. West, south, <laughs> yeah. and north. But, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, they have Shreveport, which wow. is, you know. Y'all have women from that far? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. Oh, the first center. Oh, that's true. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So it's like Sorry. Baton Rouge, Lafayette, Shreveport. So, like, women in, like, Charles, they mm-hmm. have to drive. They don't have yes. access. There's one who, by the way, is a phenomenal midwife out right. in Lake Charles. And that's it. Mm-hmm. There's no one to serve. And, wow. and Homer's not right for everybody right. Know, emotionally, of mm-hmm. course. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we have to fill that gap. And so, thankfully, the more midwives we have, the mm-hmm. more women are going to start seeking it. That means the more midwives that will be raised up. Mm-hmm. And I just hope that this just continues because, it. I mean, women deserve midwifery care. 100%. Mm-hmm. 100%. Just because, not to knock the medical process, but it's just so, like, as women and getting that sacredness and the detail and attention. And we were talking about even before this before we got on to record, you and I were discussing preventative care Mm -hmm. and how most providers, they're skilled at their job, which is great. They should be. That's what we hire them for. But also from as more of a provider standpoint, I can agree very much because I'm the same way. And I've honestly learned this from you. I'm getting chills thinking about it. Like I've learned so much (laughs) from you just from the few months that I spent with you 
attending and helping you and just being honored to be part of your day to day um, and that night. Um, <laughs> and weekends. And all, and all the times. Yeah. I like it. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. All the things. Yes. And so um, I think there's so much attention and intention when it comes to supporting those kinds of women in that capacity as a provider. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I guess, can you speak to what the difference is for those who don't know or maybe who are leaning? more they're not unsure of if they want a midwife or if they just want to stick with their OB which is fine it's just they're kind of teetering on trying to figure that out yeah so let's just start with the basics of just being a woman right Mm -hmm. when we get pregnant our baby is so sacred and special and we feel sacred and Mm -hmm. special as we should Mm -hmm. and we walk into the office where unfortunately in most circumstances we're just we're a number We're waiting for 30 minutes. We might get seven minutes of care. Um, You know, we, it's just not very um, emotionally focused. And that first appointment is the beginning of something Mm -hmm. very exciting. It's the beginning of your prenatal care. And most women have to wait eight or nine weeks to get in. That's a whole month of being pregnant before someone will even see you. That's, it feels like the longest. (laughs) I remember, I remember that too. When I found out I was pregnant and like the next day I called the doctor Mm -hmm. and get an appointment like, oh, we'll see you in like a month. And you're like, really? Really? That long? (laughs) What do I do in the meantime? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Um, And so just starting there, you know, as women, we, we, we are built on relationships. You know, we want people to care about our baby as much as we do. And we want to have those connections and we want you to remember things about us and our baby. Um, Well, you know, evidence supports that, that relationship and that continuity between the same midwives and the client and the conversations and all of that actually improves outcomes. So that's where midwifery comes in, right? So doctors are... Uh, obstetricians or doctors. Their medical expertise is designed for high-risk situations and you should take their time Mm -hmm. um, when you have that. But when you're low-risk and healthy, it is not the best use of their expertise Mm -hmm. to be spending 15 minutes consulting you on your diet and 20 minutes crying in their office about how things at home are hard. You may or may not have been expecting this baby Mm -hmm. and all the things that come with that. Mm -hmm. And that's where midwifery comes in. I love it. I love what we do. The quality time that um, our mamas get and also that we get as the provider with our mamas, it's so special, you know? Mm-hmm. So we talk not just about like, is your baby alive? Is there a heartbeat? How's your blood pressure? Mm-hmm. But we're gonna dive into a whole checklist of things mm-hmm. that ensure good health. Um, nutrition counseling is required at every single one of our appointments. I love that. I'm not talking about like, like for example. Are you taking your, yeah, uh-huh. your, your prenatal, it's like, okay, yeah. yeah. I remember in my first pregnancy, my OB said to me, um, who was wonderful, by the way, but, you know, good intentions. He said, I said, well, what do I need to do about my diet? And he goes, ah, you're in great shape. Um, Eat whatever you want. Do whatever you want. I'll see you later. So I ate whatever I wanted. I had, um, this is unbelievable if you know me now, but I had a Burger King burger, McDonald's fries, and a mocha java chiller from Sonic about four times a week. Oh my, yeah, that doesn't sound like you at all. I gained 63 pounds. I was almost 200 pounds when I gave birth. I developed pregnancy-induced hypertension. I was induced with side attack, and I almost died at my childbirth from Mm -hmm. a severe torrential hemorrhage. Right, yeah, I remember you saying that. What if if a midwife would have intervened for me? And for the record, postpartum, when I started midwifery um, training at the birth center at the time, General Choices with Lynette Robinson, I was still kind of recovering from my blood loss. Mm-hmm. One comment by that midwife made a change for me. She said, you know, if you took chlorophyll, all those symptoms you're having will resolve very quickly. And it wasn't two weeks. Wow. I felt better. Wow. So midwives, what they do, it really it makes such a big difference. And it's mm-hmm. a completely different style of care. It's like childbirth education infused in the prenatal program. These hour-long appointments are more than just health checks. They're emotion checks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's like a, a, there's a great attunement with midwifery that, you know, allopathic care doesn't mm-hmm. even look at. There's no oh, 100%. There. Just, yeah. Know, they're moving through. So if, a, you, you know, on average you're getting seven minutes with your OB, how long are you getting with your midwife? At least an hour. The initial, uh, the initial appointment's an hour and a half. Every appointment after there is an hour. And then, and then let's talk about the birth, right? Everyone thinks about midwives and the birth. And of course, you know, we do a great job there, but the prenatal time that we spend together matters so much at the birth because, okay, for example, at the hospital, when you show up, 
you show up and your labor set by a nurse. The doctor might come in and say hello. And then from there, the doctor comes in, not when you're pushing, but when you're crowning, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. At the birth center, you're admitted with the midwife you've built a relationship with. When you arrive, the midwife is there and she stays until you leave. So it might make a long shift for us, but man, isn't it nice to know that if your husband cracks open the door and peeks his head out and says, hey, midwife Kyra, something's going on. Mm -hmm. I'm right there. The provider Literally. you built a relationship and you trust is right there. Mm -hmm. That continuity of care, you, it, there's just, there's nothing like it. Mm -hmm. But in exchange, midwives have to keep a decently low client volume to accommodate this. Mm -hmm. So, you know, most physicians will deliver between 30 and 40 babies a month. Wow. <laughs> you know? Wow. Well, yeah, because then you have hospital staff and everybody to help or whatever. Right, but... right. Right? Mm -hmm. And I mean, that doesn't leave a lot of time prenatally. No, right? yeah. But for midwives and birth centers, the average is typically seven clients per midwife per month. Mm. That's kind of what the evidence okay. says anyway. Right. Seven. Yeah. And I can tell you from experience, because I was solo for a long time. Anything, that is hard. Anything after five, you have to really be in a good headspace. Mm -hmm. Your family has to be very supportive, mm -hmm. and things need to be going very smoothly. No illnesses at home, mm -hmm. all the other things. You know, it really... You know, it, it's just different because we have to be emotionally present. Wow. Oh, yeah. 100%. You know. So. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That is, yeah. That's insane. I love that. <laughs> um, when it comes to something we spoke of earlier with interventions and talking about low risk, um, yeah, I guess my question is how do you guys, yeah, are y'all trained to handle, um, like, with interventions and handling problems that arise or do you guys use interventions or when it comes to I guess I'm asking multiple questions um when it comes to like optimizing birth outcomes and the health of the mom and how I guess better off are they postpartum there's just so much that goes into it I guess um sorry I'm asking definitely like I, I got of loaded you. I questions I got yeah, you. yeah 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 go ahead go for it yeah let's let's rewind because what I hear you asking me is about the birth and how we handle emergencies yes are we sorry equipped? yes but let's rewind because, um, you know, when I started my YouTube channel, the reason why I started it um, was so many people thought that, oh, the birth health births are lucky. These women are healthy. They're lucky. But my doctor said, I'm high risk. I'm too old. I'm, you know, too big or whatever the case may be. Right. But what I'd hoped to women to gather from my channel was that my clients work hard to be healthy. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not just showing up to these hour-long prenatal appointments. So mm -hmm. are they. And they're showing up with their heart open. And that lets us into, okay, you know, let's work on nutrition for prevention. Let's work on hydration. Oh my goodness, y'all, oh the gosh. amount of everybody, <laughs> Water. particularly pregnant women mm -hmm. who are dehydrated and the impacts that has on a pregnancy. So much. Um, what about the emotional stuff going on at home? Husband and wife having trouble. That's a normal event, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody talks about that in clinic. Mm -hmm. They do with midwives. So all of this just, I guess this snowball effect of pouring out our hearts and working hard and eating clean and exercising and being honest comes and culminates to this birth where our clients are low risk mm -hmm. not by luck but by hard work mm -hmm. and commitment to the, the process 100% so that does that mean birth emergencies don't happen absolutely not that would be as we talked about right before we started recording <laughs> birth emergencies do happen they're rare but they do happen um, so in the birth center model, you know, we have extensive amounts of requirements and um, training and ongoing trainings that we have to do for those rare circumstances. We have medications, oxygen, IV fluids, um, a team that's prepared to handle birth emergencies. And even in the instance of a birth emergency, most of those moms don't even have to go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. Most of them can so be handled awesome. adequately in the birth center and they can still go home after the mm -hmm. birth with their baby. Yeah. So yeah, midwives are, we're healthcare providers. We are equipped to keep moms and babies safe. 100%. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah. And then like we were saying earlier about how dads and you being that close to the hospital really helped change the game for them being more willing and, can, you know, um, supportive of their partners birthing at the birth center. You know, like I know there are certain things that dads have communicated about concerns you know um, one of them for my personal experience was uh, a nuchal like nuchal wraps which is um, an umbilical cord wrapped around the body around the neck and um, you know I had our, our 14 years ago tomorrow baby in the hospital and um, and she did she ended up with a double nuchal around her neck but then after that I, I 
learned more about midwifery care and they're like, oh, that happens when they're at a birth. That's not a, you know, it's not an emergency, it's a serious situation, but it's not an emergency and this is how we manage that. And I'm like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I've seen you guys handle, you know, bleeding, but you know, mm-hmm. shortly after birth, you guys handle that very well. You have the medications for it. They carry oxygen around. Mm-hmm. They know how to resuscitate baby. You know, they, all these things. And I think it's a lot of, a lot of those details is uh, what dads don't no, mm-hmm. they just don't know. They think, oh, we're woo woo, y'all woo woo, y'all just yep. come in. And I think it's that's all. one of my favorite but, things whenever yeah. I have a mom who's on the fence and having those cons- like their husbands are having those concerns. Mm-hmm. And I'll usually mention, you know, you guys at the birth center, and I'll say, look, Kyra does a fantastic job with yeah. consults to give dads ease with that because I've I'm, I've seen you do them; they're fantastic, and I just know that it brings them so much calmness yeah. Yeah. after that. Um, and I think it made me think of too, like when I first went into the birth center many years ago, I think, and to help attend was how prepared you guys were. Mm -hmm. I thought that was just so cool. Like, whoa, I have this understanding of midwifery care. Just that was at the beginning when I like just surface level stuff and then got to see like the behind the scenes of prepping a birth and getting the room ready and, you know, cleaning it up and getting it ready for another one. And it was like, wow, okay. I appreciate this model and all of the details and readiness mm-hmm. for, and we were speaking to this earlier too of, um, we were talking about like Pitocin and and it's not just like, okay, yes, we have it, but it's knowing when to have it. And yeah. I think that's also very special for midwifery too, is like, okay, are we actually needing these tools right now? They're here if we need them um, in emergent situations and how to navigate that instead of just like willy-nilly using them for the sake of using them. Well, there was a study released in 2020 called Birth Settings in America. And in the study, they compared the difference between too much too soon, which Mm -hmm. we typically refer to hospitals, and too little too late, which in the study they were talking about like lay midwives, too little too late, meaning, you know, that mm-hmm. They didn't sure. apply the interventions that they needed. And what was interesting is if you read that section in the study, they talk about how the emotional impact on women in the birth needs to be taken into consideration. And that obviously 100%. both too much too soon, too little too late is not appropriate. Mm-hmm. But some women make choices out of fear, whether it's fear of the hospital or fear of a home birth, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, that caused them to fall into those gaps. Yep. So what do we do? My intention was to open a birth center that filled in the gap. I am a birth center with a home birth training and birth center training background in hopes to provide a home-like experience, but Mm -hmm. that perfect middle ground of I have great skills and I know how to use them, but I also know how to sit on my hands. And Mm -hmm. sometimes if you just leave families alone and let them nurse their babies and keep the room quiet, Oh my goodness, it can resolve itself on its own. Mm-hmm. But that takes skill. And mm-hmm. y'all, it's been so fun to train my CNMs because my CNMs have a ton of hospital experience. Uh, right. Jamie was in the hospital for 17 years as a labor and delivery nurse. Wow, what a, Just, what a different perspective. Uh huh. And to train them, and I, to train them <laughs> yeah. to go, okay, wait, there's no more button. There's no button for an emergency. Mm-hmm. You are now the midwife, the, you the know, nurse, the, the nurse, <laughs> yes, all the things, the janitor. The lactation consultant, the NICU team, you right. are Everything. all of it. You are, you know, and to the immense responsibility, first of all, mm-hmm. to know that, as Jamie says, there's no more button. I've got this, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But second, um, to balance all of that and provide quality midwifery care that is woman-centered mm-hmm. and family-focused, it's a skill. It's a skill, and it's it's... You know, it's something that I wish more women would step out of their fear and see. Mm-hmm. And that brings me to what you were saying a few minutes ago about the dads, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the nuchal cords or the what happens if mom bleeds. Mm-hmm. In my consults, what I've learned is a lot of times dads don't even know what they're afraid of. Mm-hmm. And that's why these consults go so well. Because mm-hmm. when you really dive in, tell me your top three fears. Well, I just want to know that you'll keep her safe. Of course you we do. Will, yeah. Of course you do. So let's talk about how we'll do that. Mm-hmm. Um, we also recently, about a year and a half ago, started implementing, it's called birth emergencies class. So for all of the clients in our practice at 36 weeks, we get all the clients around that time, they come in with the husbands, and we talk about all the scary things that could happen in a birth, what That's equipment awesome. we have, how we handle it, what it would look like, and what it would take to transfer. 
Mm. And um, it's incredible. Yes. <laughs> it's been really, I love that so yeah. much. Really wonderful. That's incredible. And what's cool about it, first of all, as the teacher of the class, it's it's a hard class to teach because at the end, everyone's Well, yeah, because like, you're out. like, well, especially at 36 weeks because you're like, oh, my gosh, so I'm at the end. This is so close. What if this does happen? But also, but we're, but thank you for being prepared. Is, yeah, knowledge is power. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. But here's the thing. So one of my clients took the class, and then she ended up with one of the emergencies that was happening in the class. This was back at the old birth center mm-hmm. where the transfer time was about 11 to 14 minutes. Mm-hmm. And so I told them, call 911 while I'm handling this emergency. And she said, I remembered in the class that you said, even though I'm calling an ambulance, I may not have to transfer you. Mm-hmm. I can probably handle it. I'm just making sure everything's in line in case this emergency mm-hmm. doesn't go the way wow. we're seeing it. Yeah. And she said, in that moment, I just took a breath and I said, Kyra's got this. Aww. And it was like, okay, that's where the difference is made. Mm-hmm. It's not just taking out the fear in conversation. It's taking out the fear in practice mm-hmm. as well. Right. Because mm-hmm. you'd hate to, you know, get them nervous and out of their head and or mm-hmm. into their head and out of their body and stop that, interrupt that birth right. process. So that's what all that's about. Right. I love that. That's so good. Yeah, knowing your provider has all these plans for all these mm-hmm. possible things. And you're like, okay, we're covered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, I can like... Chill it out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh You know, what's fun about that class, too, is we also talk about what normal birth looks like. Mm -hmm. So here's what really surprised me was that these babies are coming out in the birth center setting and they're not always crying. Mm -hmm. In fact, I had one a few weeks ago that the baby was born and he kind of looked around the room and he blinked (laughs) a few times and he tucked up into mom's neck and he went back to sleep, y'all. He was like, I was tired. He was totally (laughs) I put in work. And we talk about that in the class because Aww. not all babies cry at the birth, especially when they're born in a quiet, mm-hmm. calm environment where mom is releasing the love hormone oxytocin mm-hmm. instead of adrenaline and fear and bright lights and strangers. Mm-hmm. And so I tell them, hey, your baby may not cry at the birth. That means like we're, we're, we're doing, doing a good job. job. Yeah. And here is the faces we're going to make and the words we're going to say mm-hmm. if that doesn't look normal to us. Yeah. And so what, what dads are scared of everything at birth, guys, mm-hmm. they're scared of everything. Yeah. They're scared of the way mom's moving. They're scared of the quivering before she pushes. They're mm-hmm. scared of the length of time she pushes. Yeah. And then the baby's out, and they don't even think twice about the placenta. That's yeah. the part for the mom that we should be worried about. They don't even think about it. They think it's yeah. over. So mm-hmm. to have a provider you can trust to take over, it, it, that relationship building is just, again, so, so important. I love sense. that. I love that. that. No, so there's, it's always been, um, I don't know, admirable or... Something that I've, I've always just really, it's been inspiring to watch the midwives from our area in a birth and recognize, a lot of times it's late, like I, you know, I, I'm not as skilled as you guys, so I'll see it later, we'll talk about it later, but you guys are always five steps ahead mm-hmm. and you're recognizing signs and symptoms and you've already, like you said, you've developed this relationship with this person like so intensely, so you know, you know, you know them, you know their bodies, you know, you know. Everything and it's just um, to see like they're like oh these midwives they they already in their heads have these are five different ways this could work this mm-hmm. situation can work out and you guys have already like worked it all out what's gonna happen yeah you know? and so it's like you're you're uh, mentally on top like you know playing like you know chess mm-hmm. or 3D chess in your brain you know I mean yeah. so so prepared for births and um you know just watching you guys with the ease that you have in mm-hmm. it and it brings ease into the birth space too mm-hmm. and even mm-hmm. keeping i think i've really appreciated this knowing not just you but other midwives even in the like when it is some you know like very seriousness and we were again just talking about this before of like a very serious situation happening and you guys were like we had the right people there we were calm we handled it very well and we transferred, and we did the thing that we needed to do, and everybody was great. Mm-hmm. And it was like, wow, how does your team respond during pressured times? Mm-hmm. Well, let's contrast that with a hospital experience. Right. You know, like, let's say shoulder dystocia. That's whenever, you know, the shoulder gets stuck in the, mm-hmm. and then, you know, the pelvis. Um, After the birth of the head. So baby's half out, half in. Yes. Half out, half in. Mid- midwifery care, you know, you guys stay calm. It's serious, but you stay calm. We move mom around in different positions, mm-hmm. you know, try to get that hip bone moving around the baby. And, you know, and everyone stays pretty calm, but it's serious. In the hospital setting, like, the nurses are freaking out a little bit. And they press the red button we were just talking yeah. about, too. Mm-hmm. And the doctors are rushing in. And it's like, 
get, holy moly. Get, get the forceps or get the vacuum and yeah. everyone's like, the it's like and all the things it's freaky you know no. it's like everyone's kind of that they're the, the fear just like fills the space yeah yeah versus like no we're gonna you know everything's okay for now we're gonna give it some time generally mm-hmm. speaking you know and let's just let's do work some, some movement work with the physiology of the mom and mm-hmm. and then like literally nine times out of ten it's completely fine mm-hmm. literally yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that's the other thing, too, is um, a lot of the families, like doctors don't spend time talking about birth emergencies. Mm, that's true. And so they mm-hmm. also don't spend the time after the emergency debriefing. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's really hard, having had mm-hmm. a birth emergency myself, you know, at the hospital, and the doctor never talked with me about it. I processed it over years of midwifery school. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of birth emergencies that are debriefed end in postpartum depression for lack of understanding, 100%. not even knowing if it was even an emergency. So that's another thing too, is you have mm-hmm. someone you can trust that you can say, Hey, what happened? Mm-hmm. What happened to me? Yeah. Walk me through that. Yeah. It's like, yeah, Could walk I me through that. It? Right. Uh-huh. How did I, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and I'm not hating on doctors or anything. They're just, this is not the best use of their expertise. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's just not. Yeah. This is not like a hating better or worse or whatever it's just we're just having a discussion yeah. well, about this you said earlier you know uh, like you know mamas who deliver with you you know versus doctors and using them for their skills what the percentage of like low-risk moms what is that percentage or about what is it like in the upper 90s the last time mm-hmm. i saw the statistics of low-risk women were in the 90s um, in my practice, the women that transfer is less than 20%. I'm talking oh. transfer and pregnancy due to a high-risk complication. So let's just make this very clear. You being over the age of 35 by itself does not make you high-risk, and neither does being over the age of 40. <laughs> I don't care what they put on your chart. Get a second opinion. Yes. Um, Can they pull out that word geriatric? Oh, oh my God. It's just the most disrespectful thing. You're like, <laughs> really? Uh-huh. Mm-mm. Um. I have had moms come in for consults who we, you know, we do our follow-up afterward to see if they, you know, if they're planning on registering, if not, why? And they're like, oh, I was told I was high risk at my initial visit. And so we, we're not a candidate. And when you ask a few questions, it's like, oh, well, that's actually not entirely true. Mm-hmm. For example, you're just anemic right now. Right. We can fix that. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, you're over 35, but that doesn't make mm-hmm. you high risk. So right. just to be clear, um, it's not always like that. The majority of women actually are low risk. Mm-hmm. And those that aren't tend to know it. Yeah. Right. You know? Oh, yeah. It's not a secret. So that's one of, that's, <laughs> that's kind of what I wanted to put the, you know, the, the point was, you know, most moms, mama out there, you, uh, unless you know it, you're probably low risk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Thyroid issues are common. We can, we can co-manage that with the physician. Mm-hmm. You know, being uh, either underweight or overweight is common. We can manage that in our practice. In fact, I would go on to say that we're probably experts at managing that. Right. Nutrition really, that's so cool. Well, yeah, expertise. nutrition, but yeah, that's interesting. I've never thought of it like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that, you know, we're getting labeled before we even get an opportunity to mm-hmm. seek a second opinion. Again, based out of fear. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're labeling them based out of fear. It's just, it's a... Uh, a way for them to bill and all these things. Mm-hmm. But really, at the end of the day, I say if you think you're high risk, get a second opinion. Mm-hmm. Most, women's are can- most women are candidates mm-hmm. for midwifery care. Yeah. Not all, but most. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that made me think of something. So, I know in different, for I know, but for the people listening out there, um, it is, there are different um, things that are legal in different states as far as making you a candidate. Correct. For a like to receive midwifery care and deliver with a midwife, mm-hmm. um, can you maybe speak to that as well of yeah. like what that looks like for for the moms here in town? Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, last year in August of twenty one, the state took away the ability for pretty much any midwife in the state to attend VBACs, which is a vaginal birth after a C section. Floors me right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I strongly like, disagree with it. Most of the midwives uh, in the birth center settings do. Um, it just, unfortunately, it doesn't mean, by the way, you cannot be back out of the hospital. It means that a midwife cannot legally attend you, just to be very clear. Mm-hmm. However, thankfully, here in Acadiana, as we talked about earlier, Dr. Volks and Dr. Cudahy are not VBAC, not just VBAC friendly. Right, they there's so many verbiage. Supportive. Yeah, they just like assume you're going to have one. Yeah, uh-huh. And encourage you to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like, okay, this is how this is going to go. We're this. not even going to worry about it. Yeah, yeah you got this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, other things that would risk moms out. So, uh, for example, in Texas, you can deliver twins with a midwife. In Louisiana, you cannot. 
Mm-hmm. Um, if you part. are a having a known breach delivery in Louisiana, you cannot deliver, uh, you know, known right. breach with a midwife, of course. Um, that doesn't mean you have to have a section. It mm-hmm. just means you can't deliver deliberately with a midwife. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, epileptics, diabetics on Medicaid, med- medication, um, those kind of things. But the majority of women don't fall into those mm-hmm. categories. Right. Now, can I just speak to VBACs real quick, right? So the statistics for hospitals in Louisiana are some of the worst in the nation and worst in the industrialized nation, which mm-hmm. means that if you are planning a hospital birth for your first baby because you're scared, because it's your first baby, everyone else does it this way, let's just keep moving forward with this, let's see how it goes, and then mm-hmm. I'll try a midwife. Then I'll try, time, yeah. Right? <laughs> so your chances of having a C-section as a first-time mom at term with a head-down baby is between like 30 and 40% in Louisiana. Unless you live in Alexandria, in which that number is astronomically higher, C-section capital of America, just an hour and a half away. Really? What? Mm-hmm. I believe it, honestly. Um, yeah. It, how many women do you know who delivered in Alexandria vaginally? Not, not many. I've met a lot of them. So with that said, wow. um, I want to encourage moms that, um, you know, do, making decisions out of fear, too much, too soon, too little, too late, right? Mm-hmm. Making decisions out of fear can actually impact all of your future birth experiences. Because mm-hmm. as I said, VBACs are mm-hmm. banned in birth centers. They're banned by midwives in Louisiana. Once you have that section, yeah, that's it. You can mm-hmm. no longer seek midwifery care in Louisiana out of a hospital, and it's a shame. Yeah. So if you're even thinking about it, you should know that midwifery statistics are between 4 and, I think, 14% for C-sections. That That's amazing. Four and fourteen percent. The World yeah. Health Organization recommends around ten. Mm. It will never be zero. C sections save lives. Well, right, yeah, exactly. But it, it's worth considering, and that's just one of the stats I can throw at you today. Mm-hmm. You know, right, it's worth yeah. considering. Don't make decisions out of fear. Make it out of informed decision making. Mm-hmm. This is what's best for you, your family, and your situation at this time. Mm. I agree. I 100% agree. I love that. Yeah. Yes. As somebody who's had a C-section, I understand, like, the magnitude of that. Mm -hmm. And it's frustrating more than anything because it's like, how dare you? Mm -hmm. You know, more, like, for that. I don't know. Just speaking to that. Well, so I had the coolest meeting with Dr. Cuddy and Dr. Voltz the other day about Mm VBACs. And I'm going to share this with your people because I think this is a really cool perspective. And it means a lot, I think, coming from a doula, a midwife, and a VBAC chiropractor, right? Okay. So here was our perspective. We all know that the chances of a uterine rupture are about 1%. Mm -hmm. Very, very low. Right. 1% for you, 1% for the mom who's listening, 1%. But, Mm -hmm. as Dr. Cuddy put it, 1% 1% for his volume means one out of every hundred women he saves two lives by them choosing mm-hmm. a hospital birth. And I never thought about it that way. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I want to encourage every woman to weigh their own right. uh, risks. But also I want to remind them that it was something I just, it just, I've never considered it from that perspective. You know, if he's done 400 VBACs, he saved eight lives just by them choosing a hospital birth. Right. And the moment he said that to me, mm-hmm. with a smile, by the way, because he loves feedbacks and he wants to serve them, mm-hmm. it really opened my heart to the perspective of doctors like him and Dr. Voltz who go out of their way for mm-hmm. women to have great birth experiences mm-hmm. no matter where they have to deliver. Yeah, mm-hmm. they do a great job. Unfortunately, not all VBAC, quote-unquote, friendly doctors in the state or even the, the city feel right. that way. Right. No, but definitely to hear not. that from someone who genuinely believives in what they do, mm-hmm. you know, wow, it it's still, and he, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm so moved, you know? I love that. Yeah, me too. That's awesome. It's an honor to work with the two of them. They're fantastic. We're very lucky to have them here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So far, I hear, when we had talked about this earlier, like, the community is really loving them as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah, there's books. Dr. Cuddy, he's in some books. The v- V-Back, mm-hmm. Baby Got V-Back, I think it's yes, called. Yeah, a friend of mine had, uh... Well, yeah, had mentioned that, that she's like, that's where I had told him. I don't even think yeah. he knew he was in the book. And she had told him that. He's like, no way. Okay. <laughs> he's just out there doing God's work. Yeah, he's um, just like, he's he's got his blinders on. He's like, I'm doing my thing and that's it. Uh-huh. He's busy. Yeah, certain, busy man. Certain families. That's right. Um, this is kind of maybe a later question we maybe should have asked in the beginning because you had touched on um, your home birth and birth center and then uh, the midwifery training that you've had. But I want you to speak to the um, types of midwives because you said you now have nurse midwives because you have OBs overseeing them. 
So, yeah, some people don't know the difference between those. Yeah, and I can only speak, so this is an Acadiana podcast, so I'm going to speak to midwives in Acadiana because this is not necessarily the same right. in Texas, for example, right Correct. next door. So I am a Louisiana licensed midwife and a certified professional midwife. It's LMCPM. We're traditionally trained in out-of-hospital home birth, birth center settings. We can work in clinics and things like that, but typically we serve women um, who are low-risk, planning an unmedicated birth out of the hospital. CNMs, which are certified nurse midwives, their training's different. They can do everything from low risk like we do to high risk all the way up to pretty much not doing the C-section themselves. Wow. Um, they can serve women with twins, um, unfortunately like fetal demise. They can do epidurals. They can do inductions. Wow. Um, they can do preemies. They can do a variety of things because they are, the I hospital. would say, more of like a... You know, for lack of a better word, like a mini OB. Mm -hmm. They are master degree midwives. Wow. Um, However, the more of them I'm meeting over the last year, I'm realizing that most of them went into it with the CPM heart, but not necessarily convinced that out of hospital birth was safe, just Mm -hmm. like most of the people in the community. Wow. I remember when I met Jamie, she was like, okay, let's chat. She opens a book of questions. How do you handle this? How do you handle that? What do you do in this emergency? What are you doing now? I'm talking 17 years of L&D experience. This lady has seen everything. And at the end of like an hour and a half of like drilling me with questions, <laughs> she closes her book and she goes, okay, I'd like to work for you. Because... And, and like she, who was interviewing you? <laughs> yeah. Because to hear her, um, the things That's that awesome. she not only has seen, but also the rumors that she has heard about mm. my birth center in particular, Whoa. which by the way, half of them never even occurred or it wasn't me. Right? Wow. Um, it, it, was, it was incredible to me that she even went out of her way to even ask for the interview. Um, so CNMs, they have the ability to do both. Interesting. So maybe this is a, just a question um, maybe somebody would be asking is because they are more open to serving um, would with a high risk, they would not still be not eligible for a birth center, but Correct. only if they were high risk. If the CNM was working at a hospital. Correct. Right. And so So, to deliver out of the hospital, there's a strict criteria mm -hmm. that keeps women safe. Sure. Of course. And it doesn't matter the practitioner. It matters. Now, again, just following that rabbit hole, Mm -hmm. does, how would it work? Because they are working at the birth center, they would not deliver the baby at the hospital. Correct. They okay. don't have hospital privileges here. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just more of a curiosity. It is a anything. goal of ours, but we're not there, not there yet. yet. We have a lot baby of steps. transitions going on. Yeah. <laughs> baby steps. Baby steps. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome, though. That's good to know that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just thinking about those things. Mm-hmm. And it's been fun training them, too, because, again, I'm sure they're learning so they, much. They have the red button. So mm-hmm. this is new. You get to do all the jobs. Second, you can see in their education where um, where it is strong and where it lacks. For example, they are so strong in clinic. Mm-hmm. These midwives know their stuff, but they don't. They didn't know a lot about herbs and homeopathics mm-hmm. or how nutrition impacted women. That's so. Ins- that is crazy. Right. Um, and they knew very little about the baby. They had NRP and CPR. Yeah, because if it's the hospital, then it's. But a mom has mastitis, they know how to diagnose it, they know what medications to give, but the next steps of, let's talk about how to prevent it, they, mm. they knew the basics, but we're diving in deeper, like, you know, sunflower lecithin, for example, mm-hmm. things that can help prevent problems, and so it's been really fun, because I've learned so much from them, but also, I do sure. feel like my experience out of the hospital has greatly helped them increase their skills as well. That's so cool. It's been really fun. I love that. Maybe one day we'll have an OB actually delivering babies <laughs> at the Ooh, birth center, but that yeah. Definitely, if you needed that for sure, that would, I that makes me think of um, the OB who delivers almost exclusively. He's I don't know if he's in California or Dr. something. Stu? Yes, yeah. I'm a real big is fan. He a home, home birther. He I I can't I can't remember. I think he maybe does both. I'm not mm. sure, but he it's almost very rare for him to do, to deliver a singleton. So he does a lot of like breach and twins and gotcha. crazy V-backs, like multiple V-backs yeah. and all kinds of stuff. And he and it was interesting because I never, we've had conversations before about like being a big fan of having providers offer up 
to care for. And we had well, this, we had this talk too about delivering breach and giving mm-hmm. mom the option for a breach situation, not because she had proven her. I'm using quotes right now, but proven herself with a a, a great pelvis. Um, but as a first option, mm-hmm. like if it was her first baby. Um, and if there was no other like way or whatever. And it was interesting. I really love that perspective because I'd always been so very like my own agenda about it and the way I felt. And it was cool because he had talked about different versions of breach and how some are not a big deal and some are actually a little bit more dangerous mm-hmm. and the way they're presenting in the head and all the things. I was like, wow. Wow. Cool. Okay. Good to know. You know, and just. In any instance, I don't know. It was just interesting, but because um, my birth, you know, nerdy brain goes down that rabbit hole just <laughs> for the sake of learning it. Um, but yeah, I thought that was so cool. But he delivers all of those cases, wow. so it was just really fun. That'd be like in that situation where, hey, yeah, like I'm open to as an OB serving those more high risk ish, mm-hmm. um, in a sense of breach, in a sense of twins or something like that, and it wasn't. I don't know. I'm just I do I'm living in my own reality over here. I do think in Acadiana we have physicians who would be willing mm-hmm. to do some of those situations, but the policies of the hospital right. are binding their hands. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, they're tied. Yeah, and it's unfortunate. And also, you know, I strongly believe that that that's all based out of litigation. Sure. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. And where's the litigation come from? Lack of informed consent. We need to be empowering mm-hmm. mothers to make decisions, and and, and you know when they make these decisions for themselves. We're moms, right? We're always going to do what we think is best for ourselves and our babies. We just do. And if we can trust moms to have that knowledge and make that decision with good information, Mm -hmm. you're less likely to be sued by them right? if it it doesn't turn out the way that they wanted if if they provided true informed consent. You can't Mm -hmm. do that in seven-minute appointments. Right. Right. You can't do that when you're showing up in labor and asked to sign consent documents. Yeah, that's hard. We need to talk about these things in advance. Um, We partnered up with The Gift a few years ago, and Gift thought it was really cool that as midwives uh, at the birth center, we talked about warning signs um, in pregnancy and postpartum Mm -hmm. while they were pregnant. Mm -hmm. That's such a normal. Like, never even crossed my mind. People don't do that. Yep. Call under these circumstances. These are emergencies. Mm -hmm. And there's a huge movement right right now um, for uh, prevention of maternal mortality. Mm -hmm. It's a maternal mental health month, right? Uh Mm -hmm. Well, not just that, though. Right. Just mortality in general for the moms. By just educating them. Right. Here's the warning signs. You tell them and their partners, here's the warning signs. Something Aww. so simple. And number two, because I, I actually spoke at the convention a few years ago, providers need to sit down. These seven-minute appointments are already hard enough, but if you're standing over a pregnant woman who's going through something emotionally and physically, such as a headache that's preventing her from doing her job and she's swelling, but she doesn't want to complain to you about it because you're standing over her, if yeah. you sit down, you could save her life. By her feeling just comfortable, when, just when I'm sitting down to open up. Mm-hmm. I've seen yeah, it's all about psychology. Mm-hmm. Sit down, put away your phone, put away the chart, and just yeah. have a conversation with women eye to eye while they're pregnant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like if you're only going to be in that room for that short amount of time, be much more intentional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That way, they feel like they're really there mm-hmm. for much longer, yeah. or at least I feel like that way. Just something to think about. Okay, before we actually started recording, we were talking about how it's very common for people to not understand the difference between doulas and midwives. Yes. And that people who are birthing do not want their midwives to be their doulas. (laughs) And why that's important. Why they shouldn't want that. Yes. Yes, yes. So let's talk about that. Okay. So y'all already talked about how midwives and doulas are different last Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, as a midwife... Our job is to give clients a safe birth, and doulas give clients a great birth. Now, I think we both we both do our jobs, trying to do both, but really, for the doula, her expertise comes in from the start of early labor until the pushing phase, right, and the delivery. And then, pretty much, the doula can kind of sit back and love on the mama and just kind of hang out. But as a midwife, our job really kicks in where we need to be... In, you know, immensely focused is at the time of the delivery and all the hours thereafter. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I was a student. I remember my very, very first birth as a brand new student, and I was so excited to be at this home birth. Um, and I was, uh, I had the flashlight. I was holding the flashlight for the midwife against my forehead, and I was shaking because <laughs> I was so exhausted. It was the middle of the night. I was shaking, 
And it was such a, I mean, literally, you could see the light shaking. And <laughs> funny story, so we go, you know, a nuchal cord. This cord was wrapped around the baby like a Christmas package, like around <laughs> the throat twice, over the arms, like a backpack. What a long cord. The waist. It was, I've never seen that. I knew cords were normal, but mm-hmm. I'd never seen that, you know. Um, and now, many, many years later, I look back on that, and I'm like, I'm so glad that I wasn't the primary midwife because I was so tired. Mm-hmm. So we really have to balance our energy when moms are in level two uh, in labor too. You know, not just energy emotionally, but energy physically as well. Mm-hmm. So you really don't want your midwife being the person in the room the entire time, pushing on your back mm-hmm. and using all this physical energy. Because I'm telling you from experience, when it comes time to deliver or suture, and I'm shaking because mm-hmm. I'm exhausted. That's no good. You don't want that. So I still um, I highly advocate for doulas both in and out of the hospital. 100%. And y'all, I'm a midwife who had a doula for my home birth with my midwife. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that speaks a lot. Mm-hmm. Doulas are fantastic. I would even go as far to say, because, okay, so, and let me know if, because I know some midwives are different in the event of a transfer. Because I know sometimes I've seen this happen a time or two with moms who they were like, oh, I've got a midwife. I don't need a doula. They'll right. be with me. And they don't think that they'll transfer. Mm-hmm. Let's just say that, okay? And I've known that some of, like, for sure you're like, hey, look, they you're in safe hands. They've got you covered, you know, whatever. And so you guys, I know, I don't know if maybe you guys don't go, but I know some midwives will just not go with them and kind of transfer care to the hospital um, and not attend with them. And so, because they're active and acting as the medical provider, because they are. Um, now I feel like because of that, women are now in a position where they're like, I don't have anybody who's familiar. Mm-hmm. I don't have my support system or unfamiliar, yeah, unfamiliar support mm-hmm. system. And I feel like they go through this state of shock um, in a way because, because of that. Um, so I would definitely say get a doula for sure. Because even just that, like helping mom navigate a transfer I mean, you guys already do such a great job preparing them. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'm curious, like, yeah, if you guys do do that, um, and then do you stay with the moms? Or if you don't, of course, it's understandable. Um, but, yeah, I'm just curious. So I think it depends on the midwives themselves and okay. their protocols. Like for us, for example, I mean, we're required to go with them and get okay. them situated. Okay. How long we stay would depend on the gotcha. urgent emergency. Okay, so that's what I was like. Yeah. I didn't understand. Yeah, okay. There's a lot. For sure. example, you know, if we had been at this for 30 hours and we're going in for a transfer and you're nowhere near delivery, the midwife will go home, take a nap, come back later. Perfect. If we're transferring like the one we talked mm-hmm. about right before, you know, we started recording that this was an actual medical emergency and we transported not only did the midwife go her birth assistant went and even the office manager went because we just (laughs) wanted to all go and support that's awesome I think it's good to know that that is like that can happen or if or both for like I love that that's Mm -hmm. that was the case for that particular mom because I think it's important for them to know that they'll have your support Mm -hmm. if it's you know if you have it but doulas are so beneficial beyond that for example um, early labor. Mm-hmm. Um, Tiffany and I just attended a birth with a mom who has something called prodromal labor, which is mm-hmm. where moms can have contractions for hours, days, weeks before labor. And um, they get emotionally spent. Mm-hmm. They are exhausted. And there's other reasons why moms would need doula support prior to birth. But that one in particular, Tiffany and I just, mm-hmm. just dealt with together as a team. And Having both of us makes such a difference because, I mean, I don't know how much you were getting messaged, but I was getting messaged often as well, Mm -hmm. if you were too, and the Mm -hmm. mom needed that. Coming from my own personal experience, I was planning a home birth with a midwife for my second. As a midwife, you would think, like, I'm good, and just like every other mom at 38 Mm -hmm. weeks, I was done being pregnant, and I wanted to rip the baby out. I was done, right? (laughs) So my doulas came, you know, we had a little hangout. And we did like henna tattoos and we Cute. hung out and we chatted and they kind of let me cry my eyes out about, you know, mm-hmm. what's going on and just reminded me of my birth plan. 
that I really wanted this home birth after that hospital experience that I had had and really mm-hmm. encouraged me to stay focused. And I went home a whole new lady and I delivered eight days later. Wow. So doulas do so much more than just the birth and just the transfers 100%. with midwives. They can be emotionally available even deeper than the midwife can. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, though, you want to ask when you're interviewing your doula and you're interviewing your midwives, like, what are your plans? Uh, what are your policies if this happens? Mm-hmm. What if it's a holiday? What if it's a night or a weekend? Mm-hmm. Um you know, and figure out too that these people are a good fit for you because not all of us practice the same. That's right. Mm-hmm. You know, we just yep. don't. You want to make sure you, you find your good fit. One hundred percent. That make we did an episode on actually because we know this is a topic coming up, so I wanted to give you the chance to speak to this too. Is holidays and due dates? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's <a problem laughs> right now. <laughs> yes, it is. So um, yeah, yeah. I guess. We were speaking to it because we were like, we know that can be the case with the pressure and the interventions and stuff with the, you know, OB, traditional OB care. And I know with you guys, that's not the case. Yeah, babies don't know it's a holiday. Neither do we, right? Right. Yeah. And that was, this was the case before I even had a team. It was mm-hmm. like, all right, family, we're going to celebrate Christmas whenever I get back, whenever that is. Yep. See you later. You right. Know? And I mean, it's, yeah, it's not fair to treat women differently. Um, for holidays, nights, or weekends, and also not only not treat them differently, they need encouragement because there are people speaking in their ear right. all around them, and oh, they're small yeah. kids that they're worried about ruining their Christmas morning mm-hmm. for labor. There's so much that goes into holiday due dates. That's a whole topic we should do one day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yo, awesome. Well, cool. Is there anything else you'd like to ask or share? I know we've covered quite a bit I don't even know how long we've been chatting now um yeah anything else you'd love to share about midwifery um yeah or anything at all yeah you know I said this uh recently that even though the three of us are sitting here and talking about how midwives are safe and the equipment we have and the training and the drills and all the things um you can't project this kind of conversation to every midwife everywhere. Right. Um, we were talking about that also before we started recording. Mm-hmm. We should have just recorded our conversation before we were recording. <laughs> we just have to walk around, and every time I meet up with a birth worker, yeah. I'm just going to have to press record and be like, we're doing this. It yeah. was really fun. <laughs> we're running. <laughs> um, but, you know, as much as I wish I could tell you, uh, for your, your listeners, that mm-hmm. Every midwife out there is prepared for birth emergencies. It's mm-hmm. unfortunately, and it's just not the case. Yeah. Um, it's more than just about matching personalities. You need to deal with the fears that you have in your household mm-hmm. and your family and your mm-hmm. family's, you know, uh, birth experiences mm-hmm. and make sure you ask good questions. Yep. Um, I have been asked questions and consults like, how many kids do you have? And I'm like, is that really what you want to know about me? That's such a because strange what you I should have. be asking me right. is, you know, what am I going to do if it's 2 a.m. and I'm at another birth mm-hmm. and I'm exhausted? Mm-hmm. Am I going to still attend to you the same way I would have t- attended to you otherwise? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, thankfully, the birth center setting, you know, we have three birth suites. We can deliver two moms at once. It's no problem. But not, again, not all midwives have that uh Ability Mm -hmm. and also, and I'm not. I'm not talking about the local midwives. Yeah, I'm talking about people who may call themselves midwives but not actually be licensed, for Mm -hmm. example, or um, you know, non-birth workers acting outside of their scope, or you know, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, even what I've heard in the community is like church midwives. Mm -hmm. So you really need to ask a lot of questions, and you need to make sure you make a decision based off of what you're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. You know, not every midwife is going to practice with what what I've discussed today. Correct. Agreed. So, who's your backup midwife? What kind of equipment do you carry? How do you ensure your equipment's not expired? Whoa, yeah. Something I've never been asked in a consult, but why are you not asking me if my medication's not expired? Mm-hmm. If you're really worried about a hemorrhage, yeah, right? Because that's the most common one. What are you, you going to do if mom hemorrhages? Well, I'm going to give her meds if it comes yeah. down to that. Why has nobody asked me how I make sure my medication's in range? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. So just think about those things. Um, you don't have to always ask those questions, but if you're fearful, you need to be asking those questions. Mm-hmm. What I'm going to, yeah. So with that being said, what would you say, I'm going to shift it a little bit. What would you say are like the top three questions that you mostly get? Like the, that one would be the hemorrhage thing. That one's like the biggest, right? Yeah. So how many births have you attended? Super fun question. Mm-hmm. And I always answer it with, here's how many births I've attended. But what you should be asking is, how many birth emergencies have I seen and when's mm-hmm. the last time I saw it? That's good. Whoa. Right? 
Because I, <laughs> I was a home birth midwife before I was a birth center midwife, and um, you rarely see birth emergencies in a home birth. Mm-hmm. Like, you rarely see them in a birth center setting, but it's true that in a home birth, they're even lower. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I'd attended probably, what, 279 births before I actually saw a true birth emergency. Um, wow. Uh, how are we going to handle that? How far are we from the hospital, right? Okay, so, um, you know, that kind of thing. That's so cool. Um, you know, again, the, the how do you handle more than one client being in labor? That's mm-hmm. a good one I get often. Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Um, every midwife should be asked that mm-hmm. because I was a solo midwife for years, mm-hmm. and I'm glad that they asked, you know. Um, that's really the two that I can think of off the top of my head. I mean, there's so many good questions, you know, but, again, a lot of times just diving into what their fears are. What are you, what are you really scared of? Let's mm-hmm. talk about that. Yeah, that's a midwife. Yeah. Or the per- both of you guys, for sure. Mm-hmm. Who comes to the birth? That's a good one, too. Um, a long time ago, midwife Mikaela and I did a, uh, an interview where she had said, what do you think about clients who think that a midwife should go to her birth by herself? And she said, no, because I'm walking in with one mama and I'm walking out with two clients. <laughs> she still says that. <laughs> right? She, I could hear wise. her voice saying that. Such a wise midwife to say that, you mm-hmm. know. Like, you need more than one provider at your birth. It doesn't have to be a whole room full, but it needs to be more than one. More than one. Yeah, especially whenever you, yeah, I never, whenever she said that, I was like, yeah, it makes so much sense. Because yeah. I know in birth, they can become a party real fast. And that's like, you said that. I think uh-huh. you told me that whenever <laughs> you were, I think I had learned that partially from you was, I think there was a mom or somebody who, um, yeah, I wanted to invite this person and that person and all the things. And you were like, it can become a party real fast. So just be mindful of the yeah. people who are there. And I mean, I've seen that so much, not seen it, but like I've heard stories and the few times that I've was attending birth with you is, you know, just the wrong, one wrong person or too many people. Mm-hmm. That's why whenever I had gone um, to the birth that you had, you know, called me to go see yeah. one of my patients and I was like, okay, I'm paying attention, being mindful of the room, being mindful of my energy, yeah. getting in there, getting my job done, being, you know, just everything and getting in and, you know, getting out because I knew how important that space was and how much the energy can shift really fast. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that's also something important too as a midwife. Maybe something we didn't even talk about is, made me think of whenever I was attending and it was one particular mom. And usually people in the hospital will always say, oh, I'm getting bothered by the lights and the blood pressure checking and the, and the monitoring and all the, like, all the sounds and the beeping and the whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when I was attending with you as an assistant, being so worried that I was going to interrupt her birth process, mm-hmm. just checking her blood pressure. And she was like, I didn't even notice you. And I was <laughs> like... That means you did it right. I did, I did a good job. Yes, I was so yeah. happy. I was like, yeah, okay, good. Um, but you guys do such a good job too. And I don't think other people understand that to the difference of that being so huge with the hospital. Yeah. Uh, like that's what makes midwifery care so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Is like even during the time where you're supposed to be all in that, in the ethers and you don't some have anybody particularly poking at you and doing things. You're like, okay, I'm just going to come to Mm-hmm. Just can you whisper yeah. using your soft voice? It's not, hey, we gotta come check your stuff and all the things and you know whatever yeah. else. It's you're mindful of the whole space. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're just mindful of it. And a lot of that came from relationship building too, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not a stranger walking up to them asking to stick right. a blood pressure cuff on their arm. They know I'm not coming out mm-hmm. with a needle. Right. You know, I don't need to. It, we ask their permission, but more, it's a gentle, like you said, a real gentle mm-hmm. way, like. You know, these clients know me. So right. the permission is already there. The conversation's there. And I'm just letting them know I'm doing that thing we talked about when you were in clinic. And, for example, if it was something they were against, we would mm-hmm. have a different conversation about it. For right. example, mom needs group B strep antibiotics. Right. Yep. And she's already expressed to me in clinic, I'm willing to do it. But I am terrified of when you stick that needle mm-hmm. in me. Then we're going to have a conversation in a completely different, unique, personalized way for that mom when she comes in in labor, mm-hmm. rather than another mom who may not need a needle at all. I mean, I love needle-free births; they're awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, That's cute, yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> needle-free birth. I try to provide needle-free so births. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> 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 Free birth. Cute. Oh, good. 
goodness. I love that. Yeah, I just really want to encourage your listeners that, you know, just because everyone you know has done it a certain way or everyone, you know, is not familiar with something that they still Mm -hmm. need to go and ask questions. Mm -hmm. There's so many resources here. You guys are both such a tremendous resource to the community Um, and online presence. I mean, you don't even have to leave their house to get this information Mm -hmm. now. Well, this is partially why we're wanting to do this because, yeah, we always find that moms will say, I wish I would have known or mm-hmm. yeah like I would imagine you get that too with moms who may have done that the, not have done that the first time they've had a hospital birth They're like man I wish I would have known it could have been this good mm-hmm. yeah because then they have wonderful experiences the second third or whatever time mm-hmm. and they're like wow not that that it was wrong for them to right. do the it first it, bad. no and and I always say women will birth where they feel safest yeah. whatever that means to them mm-hmm. you know and so um yeah I just think it's 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 interesting. That's again why we do it is because we just want to help women figure that out. And again, not making decisions out of fear. I think that's why I'm also such a big advocate for learning things even before pregnancy, right? Like super early on conception. Whenever you're thinking about having right. a baby, I'm big on preconception care, right? Um, getting an idea that way. There's no time lot. There's no time crunch. Mm-hmm. You're not making decisions out of fear. You're at least preparing your body. Again, working very hard to be, not hard, but low risk. You know, you're yeah. you're working for that delivery mm-hmm. in yeah. a sense. So I don't know. That's my rant. That's my rant. That's my rant. But yeah, I don't know. It's just interesting. Yeah. But yeah. good stuff. Well, awesome. Cool. Anything else you'd like to add? That's it. I think y'all did a great job. Thanks for having me. It's Absolutely. Been fun. How can people reach you? Um, and all your things. Yeah, your birth center. Yeah, so if they're just looking for information about applying midwifery tips to their pregnancies, especially if they're not local, mm-hmm. um, Cajun Stork, anything, Cajun Stork Instagram, Cajun Stork YouTube, all the things. But if they're local and they want to have a consult with me or my, my team, um, we're the Natural Birth House. We're located right next door to Dr. Dean McCudahy. We moved to the oil center. Um, we uh, can be reached online or by phone or if they just want to come on by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have. We you love when people walk in. Beautiful birth center. You guys it have is. done a. Seeing what you guys have come from to what it is now, it always just like blows my mind. Even the the pictures were beautiful, but really being in it yeah. is like there's no words. Yeah, it's just you guys have did a done a great job. Yeah, it's been it's it was a wild ride to get here, but I'm really really glad that we we made the move. It's mm-hmm. it's just it feels like home. We love it. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Yes, we really enjoyed all of this. Well, thank you so much. And thank you everybody to tuning in and make sure to subscribe and uh, we'll see you next time. All right, guys. Bye.